Welcome to the Around the Keg Podcast, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. I'm your host, Whip Barfield, joined as always by my co-hosts, Matt and Lando, as well as our tech producer, Keys. This week, we have a quicker show for you guys, starting off with a little brave stock after the meltdown in Game 3. Then we jump into the mailbag, answering some questions about college football, including the firing of Coach O and who might be his replacement. We end the show, as we always do, with our pour one out, cut them off, locks of the week, and our picks for the best games in college football Week 8. Hope you guys enjoy. Losing this game is a lot like Alabama losing to to uh, Texas A and M. You lose that game, and it makes you realize that you have you have flaws. You come back, you make you you know, make changes. And then you do better tomorrow. It's not like that though, because Why? Alabama, Al- Al- because Alabama didn't play a good game at all in any facet of the A and M game. A and and M capitalized on 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 Alabama playing bad. The Braves played a great game for seven and a third innings, uh, and and then and then. The the Dodgers won it. The jo- the Dodgers earned that. The pitch that Cody Bellinger hit out wasn't even it wasn't even a good. I mean, it was a great. In my pitch. eyes, it, the Braves played like you said. The Braves played what a seven and third of a full game. They didn't they didn't play a full perfect game. You know what I mean? You can hit the panic button. I'm not gonna hit the panic button. I'm not saying we're gonna win the series or anything. I'm just saying don't. I'm that's the difference. One game. Is, is there is there a little bit of one game? And then you say there's there, you say there's a shift in momentum too. I don't but think I mean, so. Every single game has been close. That's how it's been. This isn't like a, we had all the momentum this entire time, and then they just took all of it from the, one hit. Exactly. Wit. So the Braves came out. K- k- That's Atlanta's mindset. That's the problem. That's our mindsets as Atlanta sports fans. The Braves came out swinging, and then the Dodgers made a good play, and then the Dodgers came back and put on those two runs, and then all right. Dodgers have the big momentum. The Braves fought back. They're a fighting team. All right? So I think we should take this game and be inspired that this team is still going to fight and do what we have to do. The Dodgers the Dodgers did what did what the Dodgers do. The Dodgers are a great team. They're loaded. They're absolutely loaded on offense. They have great pitching. So we, 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 we got to take this game with a grain of salt, man. Like, it's one game. Seven-game series, man. Seven-game series. It happens when you play great teams like this. It happens that three zero the three zero lead would have felt a lot better than the two one lead. Of no course, one blew the five two lead. Of course, it but would. I mean, can we all agree? Can we all agree that this Braves team this year is better than the Braves team last year? Though this no, Braves because, team is a million times better than last thank year. Thank you. We don't have we don't have Kyle Wright as one of our starting pitchers. Our best player isn't even on the field right now. What wins World Series? Pitching. I think our hit, our our batting lineup top to bottom is better than it is than it was last year right now in my opinion. And I would venture to say that I honestly like this Braves team without Acuña in the in, in the lineup to be honest with you. I would rather have Acuña in the lineup. I would like to have him. Yes, I would like to have him, but 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 honestly, did we see this Braves team making it this far to the NLCS at some point at, at some point in this season? When Acuna was playing, did did we see it? And be honest, at the beginning, at the beginning of the season, yeah, at the beginning of the season, but like preseason, yeah, absolutely. Then when the season started, they didn't play like a team that deserved to be in the NLCS. When Acuna went out, 
What happened? The Braves all all of a sudden things started getting better, and no, the Braves didn't start getting better until a, after the, the All Star break. It was about the a month after line. Acuna. Was... But you see what I'm saying, though. I'm not saying that if Acuna wasn't playing, that that we wouldn't he wouldn't be a you know a great asset to the team. I'm just saying this team is 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 good right now. We're, we have good chemistry. Moral of the story is stop overreacting. Yeah, the team rallied behind Acuna getting injured too. All right, guys, let's jump straight into the mailbag. We got a bunch of questions this week. First one is from at Daniel underscore Connors 58. His question is, seven of the top 10 teams went down this weekend in Division 2. Is Division 2 must-see TV? Uh, must-see TV. I, 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 listen, Danny, I, no. I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to sit here and watch D2 football. When there's things going on in the FBS like this, there's no reason. Even when there's not See, things going on in FBS, there's still no reason. reason. <laughs> I would watch it, but it's never actually, it's not on TV. They don't even exactly. put it on TV. Like, it's not even on ESPN Plus anymore. If it was on ESPN Plus, like the West Georgia, West Florida game this weekend, I'm sure you guys didn't really see much about it. <laughs> no. It was a very, very, very good game. I didn't watch it. But Harrison Frost <laughs> threw a game-winning touchdown like it's time expired to win oh, the boy, game. Frostbite. Frostbite. So, the, and, yeah. The most and I West saw Florida about that ranked, game. I think four. The most I saw about the game was on Twitter or, or uh, Instagram. So, yeah, yep, that's what I, that's where I saw it too. That's what sucks about D two is they don't they don't show it on TV. You mean you don't have the Big South Sports Network? I don't. <laughs> Shocking, Big South. I don't Sport Network. Actually, that that that's not even D two, is it? I don't oh, even I know. Think, actually, Matt is dealing with a crying child. Ah, oh, fatherhood. <laughs> fatherhood. He's a little upset about the Braves, but so we're, he's we very all upset are, about the so. Braves. Let's get into some FBS football. Talk about some teams that actually are on TV. This one's from at TB underscore born. And his question is, is Florida going to cause problems for Georgia? Who is this guy? TB underscore born. Who, 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 I mean, this is a second straight week, man, that you have sent in, honestly, a horrible question. <laughs> Last week it was, does Georgia deserve to be the number one starting team in the country? I mean, and and now it's does this is Florida going to cause problems? No, no, Florida's not going to cause any problems for Georgia. Did you see Florida play last week? Like, come on, what what? what, what ah, it's frustrating. I I don't think so either. Even as a Georgia fan, the way that Florida has looked against Kentucky and LSU and um it, this season, they just look, don't look like they have it. Especially with Emory Jones. Now, if Anthony Richardson comes in and sparks the offense, like you never know. But I don't. Uh, I think Georgia should take care of business against Florida, especially with a bye week in between to get healthy. Next question. Matt's struggling right now. He has a newborn. Maybe he pooped himself. <laughs> <laughs> I pooped myself after Bellinger. T- <laughs> oh, my God. Next question. Next question. All right. This is from at Chad S underscore 529. On a scale of 1 to 10, how disgusted should Florida fans be with Dan Mullen, is our disgust justified? I'm going to put it at a 15, and this is after the uh, the the huge loss to Oklahoma in in, in the Cotton Bowl last year. When he, uh, during his uh, post game pressers talking about, oh, we just use this game to get ready for uh, for next year. Blah 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 blah. Like the the writing was on the wall that that he just. He's just not it for Florida, man. I, Florida needs to needs to just get rid of this guy as soon as possible because I think he is destroying the culture at Florida. Yeah, Lando. Uh, <laughs> Dan Mullen, look, he is two and six. 
in his last eight games against Power 5 opponents. And, and it's bizarre because I've heard a lot that it's no secret Dan Mullen really wants to go to the NFL. He's not making a case for himself to be an NFL coach uh, recently. Uh, I, I think step one for Dan Mullen is he's got to get rid of Todd Grantham. Grantham seems to be a recurring issue. <clears throat> uh, LSU really just ran counter runs that entire game. And Florida made no adjustments. Um, so before Mullen is released of his duties, Grantham's going to be released or should be. And it should happen sooner rather than later. Um, but, dude, it, that Florida's a mess right now. Florida fans should be disgusted because they have a lot of talent on that team. They've had some good recruiting classes. Dan Mullen just isn't getting the best out of them, and he likes to throw his players under the bus when they lose. He doesn't take any responsibility for it, and that's the worst part about it. You can't you can't blame everything on your players. They're only doing what they're coached to do. They're completely undisciplined. There's a ton of penalties. They're they're not making any adjustments on the defensive side of the ball. Like it, it he always tries to make it seem like he's a great coach because offensive numbers are good. That's not what makes you a good coach. Being a good coach means that you play good, disciplined football on both sides of the ball. Like You're responsible for the entire team, not just one side. Florida's fans discussed with Dan Mullen should be, I would say, on a scale of 1 to 10, at least a 6 or a 7 at this point, if not a little higher. I'm not saying he should be on the hot seat right now, but it's got to be warming up, and they've got to get rid of, Do- of Todd Grantham as the defensive coordinator. Yes, they definitely need to get rid of Grantham. They should have got rid of Grantham last year after he blew up against some teams like Alabama and Texas A&M and LSU. I mean, the fact that they lost that game is still insane to me. But Dan Mullen, I don't think Florida fans need to be disgusted with the way they're playing. I mean, they lost a lot of really good talent from last year. I think their expectations are a little bit too high going into this season. I think they expect Dan Mullen to be like Kirby Smart and like Nick Saban and win games like they do. But he does not recruit the way they do. And everybody says, like, well, Dan Mullen's a better coach than Kirby Smart or Nick, or, or Nick Saban. And he could outcoach him because he's such a brilliant offensive mind and QB, QB whisperer. And I just don't think that's the case. I think he got lucky last year because he ended up with a guy like Kyle Trask that ended up being way better than anybody expected. And then you get a unicorn like Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony. Both of those guys are guys that – it. You were coming into their first season there. You would not think those guys would be these unreal talents. I mean, look at them now in the NFL. I mean, they were both first-round picks. Tony's starting to come on for the Giants. Pitts broke out last week for the Falcons. They had some really good, talented weapons. They just don't have those guys this year. I know they have good talent, but it's not the same. He, If he's not recruiting at a top-five level, he's not going to compete with these teams. Well, we'll move on to Chad S underscore 529's second question. This one is, what two current, not incoming, Big 12 teams can be the big boys after Texas and Oklahoma leave? Baylor and Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State, coached by uh, Mike Gundy. He always has those boys ready to play good football. They're ranked eighth in the country right now. They always get uh, good recruits. Uh, I think Oklahoma State's going to be really tough in the Big 12 once uh, Oklahoma and Texas leave. And I'm going to say Baylor. I think Dave Aranda is a really good football coach. I really hope he doesn't take another coaching position at a bigger school just because I think he d- has done a lot for this Baylor team that used to be really good. You know, they had a Heisman Trophy winner in uh, Robert Griffin III not too long ago, and they were a really good Power 5 school 
you know, just a few years ago. So I think that Baylor, if Dave Aranda stays there, can really get this culture back to where Baylor was a couple years ago. I think Oklahoma State is a team to look out for. Uh I w- I would love to see TCU take that next step forward. I feel like they've they've kind of hung around uh, some good teams and they've had some good teams recently. I would love to see them take that step forward, but I think West Virginia is going to be the biggest beneficiary of the Big Twelve uh, with with Texas and Oklahoma leaving I, if they stay in for the long haul. I mean, as of right now, they're going to stay. West Virginia is a team that they've been what re- much improved this year, especially compared to their to recent years uh, since Dan Holgerson and Will Greer left. Uh, West Virginia has got the fan base. They've got the fan support. I think they've got a really good coach. Uh, cannot it, what you remember with the guy's first name? Something Brown. Who are you talking about in in reference to West, West Virginia's head coach Ooh. Neil Brown? Neil Brown. Neil Brown. See, Matt, I think you're on the right track there with the team outside of Oklahoma State and Baylor. I do think Oklahoma State is that number one team that could take that next step. I feel like they're a team right now. Um, as you can see, they're back in the top 10 this year. They're undefeated. They're a team right now that could take that next step and get up there by the big boys um, if they could start pumping money into their program like Oklahoma and Texas do. But outside of Oklahoma State, I agree with Lando on Baylor, but I think Iowa State, if they keep Matt Campbell around, could be a really big player for the Big 12 title every single year. I mean, they've been really good since he's been there. This year, they've kind of underachieved so far, but they're still 4-2. They got a big game against Oklahoma State this weekend at home. I think that could be a potential upset spot for Oklahoma State. If they can win that game, they're kind of in the driver's seat to maybe put themselves back into that Big 12 championship against Oklahoma, depending on how that game goes against the Sooners this year later on in the year. Um, Iowa State is one team, um, and I think Kansas State too. The way they've looked um, since they've gotten North Dakota State's head coach in there, uh, Klinsman, he's been awesome. He's done a really good job with them. If they can take that next step, too, I think they could be a team that can compete every year. And moving on to our next question. This one's from at Coach Kissler. His question is, is the Mike Leach era in Starkville in danger? No, because this, this is his second year um, at Mississippi State. Am I correct about that? Yeah, no. I mean, he, he, he just got there. Last year was COVID year. You know, this year it's back to normal. So, no, it... I say at least give Mike Leach three, three, four more years. Right now, to me, I don't think he has the right guys in there to run uh, the offense he's wanting to run. You got to remember, Mississippi State went from this run first team, quarterback yeah. run first, offensive line plays physical, like don't really need receivers to catch the ball as much. They're more blockers than they are actually going out for passes. If he can get the right athletes in there, you know, maybe he can make a difference. I don't really think Mike Leach is going to do much for Mississippi State. I just haven't seen it with the way they run the offense. But you never know. Uh, give him a couple of years, give him five or so years to get what he needs implemented there, and you can see the difference. Yep, you're not wrong there. Well, next question we have is a Big Ten question. We don't get a lot of these. Uh, this one's from at Ryan Zinsmeyer. His question is, will Ohio State versus Penn State decide the Big Ten East? And are Michigan State and Michigan contenders or pretenders? What do you all think? Uh, yeah, I think Ohio State versus Penn State will decide the Big Ten East. Um, jury is still out on Michigan and Michigan State. I like what Michigan State's doing. I'm going to say that they're pretenders right now uh, just because of the, the talent they have. Michigan's looking really good. We will see. So question marks from for Michigan. I think Michigan has potential, but we will see. 
Yeah, I think that it's Ohio State or Penn State. Michigan, to me, is what Michigan's been a lot recently. They'll they'll win nine games this year, uh, but when they play Ohio State, I don't think that they're really going to compete. Um, maybe they will. Who knows? Um, they just seem like they're the same old Michigan. Same thing with, uh, with with Michigan State. I think Michigan State's a really good team, but I also think they're overachieving right now. Mel Tucker's a really good coach. He's got that program uh, in a good place. And kudos to him for getting them back this year. I didn't. I thought this was going to be a, a, a balance the boat year, not a charge ahead year. And they they've charged ahead. So, uh, I, I but Penn State's a really good team. Ohio State's a really good team. I think it's between them. Yeah, I think Michigan State and Michigan, um, along with Penn State and Ohio State, are all contenders for the Big Ten. I wouldn't say they're all contenders for the national championship. Um, I think if Penn State gets Sean Clifford back for that Ohio State game uh they actually have a shot especially with their defense and considering ohio state has looked really good recently but they've looked good against bad defenses the one time they've played a good defense this year they really haven't looked that great against oregon um so if penn state can get enough offense in that game i could see that being what decides the east but if ohio state wins that game and chunk clifford doesn't play i think it'll come down to that michigan ohio state game at the end of the year i don't think any of the teams in the Big Ten besides Ohio State are really going to be a national title contender in the end um, if Ohio State does make it out. But the fact that Ohio State already has a loss to Oregon makes me think that there is a pretty decent chance with the fact that they still have to play Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, they got to go to at Nebraska, that they could take that second loss and get thrown out of the national title picture. So I'm going to say yes, it'll decide the East. Um, and I'm going to say that in the Big Ten title picture, I think they're all contenders for sure. And on to our next question. This is from at dfowler04. And his question is, what are your thoughts on the Coach O firing? And who do you think will replace him? Yeah, I'm not sure who's going to replace Coach O. Uh, my thoughts on it are, this just goes to show that college football is a business. And if you're not winning national championships, or at least competing for them year in and year out, you're always looking over your shoulder and you're always on the hot seat. Uh, I think it's wild that Coach O won a national championship what 21 months ago yeah well that's what two years ago less than yeah less than two years ago and he's already fired this dude won a national championship before before kirby smart and he's already getting fired so i'm just gonna leave that there i i think this just has more to do with the fact that coach o was the interim coach that they rallied around and he wasn't the like that the fan base rallied around but he wasn't the guy that I think the athletic department really wanted to hire from the jump. And then the, he has a good run as the interim. He comes in, takes over. They go to the – I think that first year that he was the full-time head coach is when they lost in the uh, – or they beat UCF in, in the Fiesta Bowl, I think. Or, and <clears throat> then he follows that up with a – an unbelievable year where they win the national championship. Joe Brady gets all the credit for that because that offense that year is is what carried LSU. I I understand. I know there's been people out there that are putting like 40, he's 45 and 17 in his career as a head coach, and I get it. And it is crazy that this is where we're at in college football where it's like you can win a national title two years ago, but if you look at the nosedive that LSU has taken last year and this year with the amount of talent that's on that team, 
And then you hear about some of the other stuff, the personal life stuff that's kind of flowed over into the program. It's not surprising to me that Coach O's going, that is gone. And it's also not surprising because of the stuff that the NCAA has been investigating recently with, with the sexual uh, assault allegations. As far as who I think they're going to hire, I know that Lane Kiffin, it seems to be a hot topic guy for a lot of people. They think that he might go. I really don't th- I think he's lower on their list. Uh, the guys I think that are at the top, Jimbo Fisher is one. Uh, Wit, me, 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 Wit talked about that last week. Uh, I think Mel Tucker is a guy that we didn't talk about last year that his that, that people are a lot more high on at LSU than than I ever would have thought they would have been. But with the job that he's done there at Michigan State, I don't blame them. I don't necessarily know that he would go for sure. But uh, look, it, it, anything's possible. Uh, another guy that I would look out for is Billy Napier. So those are who I think they should go with. Um, I, I think it's a little weird that they're letting him stay through the rest of the year. I feel like if they, if they thought that this team had any semblance of being something and finishing strong, they would cut it off now and have an interim guy. But I think they also worry about the same thing happening with, uh, the interim guy that happened with coach O fan base rallies around him and then they get in a spot where they have to make a hire uh go outside and i think they want to go outside dave aranda another name to look out for yeah so let me reiterate a couple reasons why i think jimbo fisher is going to be the next head coach of lsu so scott woodward is the ad for lsu he was the ad for texas a&m when they hired jimbo fisher when they threw all that money at jimbo fisher to leave florida state and come coach over there um, and Jimbo says, you know, he likes Texas A&M. Um, you know, he's doing decently well over there. Obviously, this year they already have two losses, so they're underachieving a little bit. But they beat Alabama, so obviously they're doing decent. Um, but Scott Woodward has been known as an elephant hunter. He was the AD at Washington when they finally talked Chris Peterson into leaving Boise State to come coach for them. Um, he was the AD, like I said, at Texas A&M. They got Jimbo and got rid of Kevin Sumlin. He took over at LSU in 2019. Uh, right when Edo was winning the national championship. And I think when he got there, he started seeing some of these cultural issues that were going on with Edo. Like like some things I've heard since he got fired, he was bringing girlfriends onto the field and like having their kids play with the players. He was like bringing girls into the, the weight room and working out with them and doing all kinds of like really shady crap behind the scenes. Um, but the reason I think the number one reason I think Jimbo will actually leave and go to LSU is because Jimbo Fisher has no buyout, not any, like if he, if LSU hires him and he leaves, LSU does not have to pay Texas A&M any money at all for him to leave at all. It's, which is absolutely insane to think about all the money they're giving Jimbo Fisher to coach that team. And they have no security for themselves at all. So I think Woodward is going to take advantage of that. Um, if it's not Jimbo, I think Dave Aranda is a name to look for. Like Matt said, head coach for Baylor. He was the DC for LSU for a long time. Uh, did really well. It's the last time LSU actually had a decent defense. Um, and then Billy Napier too is a guy that I think they could end up bringing up. And, um, yeah, so I think Billy Napier would be a good, I would probably hire Billy Napier personally, if it were me, um, especially with all the changes they need to make to the culture of that team. Um, but I think he's going to go for Jimbo and knowing Scott Woodward, he seems like the type of guy that gets what he wants. So uh, don't be surprised when it happens. 
But we'll go ahead and move on to our pour one out, cut them off segment. Matt, who are you pouring one out for? So this week, I am pouring one out for Austin Riley's MVP campaign. I know that the playoffs don't really count for any MVP consideration, but holy cow, man, the guy has been so clutch for the Braves all year long. Uh, he comes up clutch in game one, has another double in game two, and another big hit. And then in game three, even today, uh, although the Braves lost, he had a double in that game as well and scored a run. So Austin Riley has consistently been one of the Braves' best players all year long. And I think that he should be getting a lot more consideration for the MVP than I've seen him get at all uh, from anyone this year in the national media. So I'm pouring one out for Austin Riley's uh, MVP campaign. And I am cutting off Tennessee fans. Why? Because I don't know if any of you watched this game, but Ole Miss-Tennessee this past Saturday night uh, was an absolutely great game, but it was kind of overshadowed at the end because of the way the Tennessee fans reacted. Uh, they were throwing all kind of stuff on the field. It was nonstop. It ended up causing a 24-minute delay in the play, in gameplay, and there was only like a minute 30 left. Uh a lot of people have been giving Tennessee a lot of flack for not ending the game. Both ADs have to agree to call a game deeming the conditions unsafe, and there's no way that uh, Tennessee's athletic director was going to do that. No chance. Um, solely because if, if if you do that, you're saying that you're conceding a five-point game in which your team could get a stop and get the ball back and potentially win. So, but, but Tennessee fans, you got to be better than that. Uh, I have never been a fan of Tennessee. I, and, and it's Tennessee hate week. So I'm going to take this moment to tell them that they low down, they dirty, they some snitches. I hate their colors. I'm not a dog person. Uh, get your cigars ready. Third Saturday in October this weekend on the fourth Saturday in October, but Tennessee fans, you got, you're getting cut off Lando. I am pouring one out for Oklahoma players in the NFL. Kyler Murray has the Cardinals at 6-0, and and he looks like a candidate for the NFL MVP. And C.D. Lamb is an absolute beast for the Dallas Cowboys. Caught the game-winning touchdown for the Cowboys against the Patriots. So just uh, pouring one out for the Oklahoma players in NFL because they got that OU DNA. And this week, I am not cutting off anybody. Well, dang, Lando, letting everybody off easy. I'm going to be pouring one out for Georgia fans. I was at the Georgia game this past weekend against Kentucky. The game was completely sold out. It was a lot of fun. Crowd was loud as it can get. Um, but the reason that I am pouring one out for Georgia fans this week is because deep into the fourth quarter, everybody knew Georgia had that game. The fans were still there. Everybody stayed. The stadium was packed. Um, I know there's a lot of teams that when they get up to that number one spot, their fans start to leave towards the end of the game. Um, people have talked about it with Alabama over the years. I'm not saying Alabama fans are bad or anything, but um, when your team wins a lot, sometimes you just you just don't want to stick around when you know the game's about over. You want to get home, uh, beat traffic, do that kind of stuff. But Georgia fans stayed around. Everybody was loud. Um, it came down to that last little uh, – there was that last little goal line stand. People were loud and were pissed off after they scored. Um, and I, I was proud that – Georgia fans stuck around for that, so pour one out for them. And I'm cutting off walking and UGA's hilly campus because I walked a total of nine and a half miles on Saturday. And if you guys have ever been to Athens, Georgia, their campus is literally straight up and straight down everywhere you go. It is not flat anywhere. It is 
terrible, terrible, terrible to walk. And my legs are still sore from that weekend. Literally after the game on Saturday, I thought I was going to have to be pushed in a wheelchair around the rest of the day. I could barely stand. And we stood the entire game too, so that didn't help either. But yeah, cutting off walking. I hate you. Uh, going on to Keys. Keys, who you pouring one out for? Let me tell you, I wish some people had left that game early because the traffic was horrible afterwards. This week, I'm pouring one out for Eddie Rosario and Jock Peterson, as well as a lot of the other Braves pickups. Just the pickups this year. Honestly, everybody thought you're supposed to trade away at the deadline. Some of the pickups really came in and did very well. Uh, even in the playoffs, uh, Eddie Rosario up to bat and Jock Peterson up to bat, you're always pretty confident that there's going to be a clutch moment. Hopefully they can keep winning, uh, but I'm pouring one out for them. And I'm cutting off Nick Saban for some reason. He thinks that people are thinking Alabama's no longer elite. I, I don't know what he's on. Everybody still thinks Alabama's elite. They just lost one game. It's like one out of 40 games they lose. So Alabama's still elite. Nick Saban not so elite in his uh, pressers right now. That's a typical Saban comment, though. He he's, he's poking the bear at his own team in that. That's not really – like he he knows that he's got the talent. That's just more of a nobody thinks we're elite anymore because we lost. So like, who are you talking right. to, Matt? I knew you were itching to respond to what you said. <laughs> I saw when, when 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 Key said Nick Saban, Matt's head went from. <laughs> this <perks> up. <laughs> I was like, it looks like you looked like a peacock. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! All right, guys, let's go ahead and move into our locks. Matt, who's your lock this week? So my lock this week is SMU over Tulane. Tulane who started off the year overachieving by keeping a really, really playing a really, really close game against Oklahoma is one in five on the year. And they're going into an SMU team on Thursday night. Uh, really SMU is six and zero. they're playing great football. They're a top 25 team in the country. They're a 13 and a half point favorite. I love those odds. Uh, give, give me SMU to win this one in cover Lando. Uh, I'm taking the easy way out this week. Oklahoma over Kansas. We all know why. Yeah, I would think that'd be an easy win for Oklahoma, or it should be at least. But I'm going to take Air Force over San Diego State in an upset. Uh, this game is one of the biggest games this year for the Mountain West Conference. Uh, San Diego State's a ranked team right now. I think they're ranked 22, 23. And Air Force, um, I think they're 5-1. and one. Uh, They're having a good run this year. They run a different offense than anything San Diego State has seen. San Diego State, to me, feels like one of those teams that kind of gets overrated because they're in the group of five and they yeah. win a lot of games against teams that aren't really that good. And then when they see a team that actually is pretty decent, they kind of melt down. So I'm taking Air Force to get the upset this weekend. Keys, who's your lock? Why not? You guys have picked all the other good games anyway, or you will pick them. So I'm going to go with Wake Forest over Army. Wake Forest is still 6-0. and Looking for that uh, ACC championship spot. And let's be honest, Army's not that great. They've lost against Wisconsin and Ball State, and their wins aren't very good. They beat Connecticut. Good for them. So I'm going with Wake Forest to keep rolling to 7-0. and Nice, Keys. Well, let's go ahead and get into our picks. Uh, we have no Georgia Southern game this week, so Ooh. I threw in the Sunbelt game of the week. We have number 16, Coastal Carolina, as a four-point favorite. Heading into App State to take on the Mountaineers. Lando, who you got? Uh, Coastal Carolina is going to keep rolling. App State isn't that good this year, so I got Coastal Carolina. So I actually think that App State's going to respond to that butt whooping they just took 
in Louisiana last week, last Tuesday night. Uh, they've had plenty of time to rest up. I think that they're going to come out and they're going to give uh, Coastal Carolina their best shot. And I think App State's going to come out victorious in this one. It's in Boone, North Carolina. Uh, and I think that that's going to be the difference. Wit. Yeah, look, Sunbelt on a Wednesday, I, I, this feels like an upset. Coastal Carolina hasn't won. Coastal Carolina hasn't lost a regular season game in a year and a half. So I think they're kind of due. So I'm going to take App State to win. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think they're going to pull it out, maybe win by like five or so. Who are the teams that Coastal Carolina has played that have not been like group of five? Kansas. Why aren't they losing? Well, Kansas. I was about to ask, why aren't they losing? And then you said Kansas. Because so. they play Kansas and they played the Sun Belt. Their strength of schedule isn't that great. It's terrible. It's terrible. They beat, and they beat BYU last year, but. Well, look where BYU, BYU is now. BYU, yeah. BYU that good? I mean, whatever. I can't believe they're the number 14 team in the country right now. They've played no one. When uh, when the college football playoff rankings come out, they will not be. There's no way. Yeah, they shouldn't be. that. They, they really shouldn't. They, they're highly overranked. Highly, highly overranked. Completely agree. But we'll go ahead and move on to our next game. We have number eight, Oklahoma State. Uh, taking on Iowa State. Iowa State is a five and a half point favorite. Matt, he got. So this game is interesting to me because Iowa State is a team that coming into this year was supposed to be right picking up right where they left off last year. But I think Oklahoma State has been the bigger surprise this year. Uh, I'm going with the Pokes, Oklahoma State. Yeah, I got the Pokes. I need them to keep winning. Pokes. I've taken the team playing Oklahoma State the past three weeks, thinking they'd get upset. And so far, they've come through and beaten every single team. So I'm going to roll with Oklahoma State, too. I don't think Iowa State's really playing that good this year. Um, I think they still have the talent to do it. They brought back a lot of guys from that team last year. But one thing I've kind of learned from this season is you can't look at 2020 with everything going on with the pandemic and think things are the same this season. So I'm going to say Oklahoma State gets the win. I do think it's a close game, though. I cannot believe Iowa State's favorite in this game. If you're a betting man, bet the spread. And uh, moving on to one of our SEC games of the week, we have LSU heading into Oxford, Mississippi to take on the number 12 Rebels. And uh, the Rebs are a nine-and-a-half point favorite. Matt, who you got? I don't know if y'all have been reading or hearing anything uh, Matt Corral had 30 carries in the LSU game or in the Tennessee game on Saturday for Ole Miss. Uh, he was banged up, 195 yards rushing. Uh, top two receivers were down for that game. Top running back not playing much in that game. I think he's injured as well. Ole Miss is banged up, and LSU's running the ball really well. Uh, I still like Ole Miss to win this game because it's Eli Manning retirement weekend. They're retiring Eli's number. Arch Manning's coming to town for that, and this is his unofficial visit uh, in Oxford for Ole Miss. The town's going to be rocking. I think it's gonna it's a huge game, and I don't know that LSU's going to be playing inspired at all now that Coach O was officially out the door, and they know all about it, uh, and he's still going to be hanging around. So it's going to be a little bit weird for them. Uh, so I, I still like Ole Miss to win, but I'd take LSU to cover that 9.5. Uh just because of the news about Coach O, I think LSU is going to play really hard for, for the rest of the season. So I'm going to go with LSU to shock them. It really wouldn't surprise me. I feel like Ole Miss is probably like the third or fourth best team in the SEC, but they've let teams 
that, in my opinion, really shouldn't be hanging around with them, hang around uh, due to the fact that they their defense isn't really that good. And last week, I mean, the offense was good, but I feel like it, I feel like they really didn't play up to their potential. Um, Matt said that it might be because of the injuries. I don't know. I didn't really get to watch the game because I was at the Georgia game, but um, I'm going to take Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is going to cover. LSU's defense is really bad, and I mean, even last week they showed it against Florida. They gave up 42 points in the win, and yeah, the run game turned it on, but that was the first time all year that they've been able to run the ball. They were 14th in the SEC coming to that game against Florida, so I think that says more about Florida's run defense than it does about uh, LSU's run offense. So I'm going to take Ole Miss. I think they're going to cover. Um, I don't think it's going to be super beat down, but I think it's going to be like a 10-point game. So moving on to our ACC game of the week, we have Clemson unranked taking on a number 23 Pitt, who is a four-point favorite at home. Matt, who you got? I'm taking Pitt in this one. Look, Clemson has not been playing well at all this year. Uh, Last week, they struggled, and really, that game should have gone into overtime. At least Syracuse missed a kick late, descended into overtime. Uh, so they, they they squeaked by Syracuse with a three-point win. Clemson has shown me no growth this year whatsoever as the season's progressed. In fact, I think they've regressed from that Georgia game uh, at the beginning of the year. They just haven't looked like an inspired football team. On the other hand, Pitt, I think Pitt is a a decent team. I wouldn't say that they're a great team, but they're a good team. And I I like Pitt in this game. I think that Pitt being at home is is a big difference maker as well. Uh, Give me Pitt and and the points. Pitt Panthers. Win and cover. I agree with y'all. Pitt's a better team, uh, but I'm going to take Clemson. I think Pitt's had a lot of magic on their side this year. They've looked really good, um, even against Tennessee. They won that game. I think if they would play that game now, it'd be – well, I mean, Tennessee's playing good too. It still would probably be a good game. But I think Clemson's got a really solid defense that a lot of people aren't talking about. Uh, their offense is really overshadowing their defense for the fact that they can't put up a lot of points. Um, and Pitt's got the best offense in the ACC right now, um, even over Wake. Uh, Kenny Pickett is being talked about as a Heisman candidate. Apparently, he's been fantastic. In the uh, last game I watched Pitt, they beat Tennessee, and he looked really good um, that game as well. So I'm going to take Clemson, and I'm going to be cautious about it, and I probably won't bet it on my sports book. But I think Clemson squeaks one out here and finally gets a big win this season. Moving on to our Big Ten game of the week, we have the number five Ohio State Buckeyes as a 20-point favorite heading to Indiana. Matt, who you got? Ohio State. I think they win and they cover this game. Indiana's not as good as they were last year. I think COVID had a lot of reason to do with the way that last year was, and I think that Indiana is a product of that. They were a really good team last year. Uh this year, they're just not. They're not that same team. Uh, give me Ohio State to win and cover. This game will be over by halftime. Ohio State. Yeah, I got the Buckeyes, too. I actually think that 20-point spread, though, is a little too much. Indiana is a physical football team, and without Penix in there turning the ball over, um, I, I think they've played a little bit tighter than people think. I'm going to take it as like a 17-point game, but um, I still got Ohio State to win. And on to our SEC game of the week. We have Tennessee taking on number four, Alabama. Alabama is a 27.5-point favorite. Matt, who you got? I'm obviously going with the Tide in this one. 
I think 27 and a half is a, is a lot. Uh, Alabama's defense came out and played really well and inspired last week, but they kind of let Mississippi State move the ball, and then they would get a turnover, force a turnover. Uh, the overall, the defense played really well, but you know the run defense has been the the biggest issue for Alabama in a lot of time, at a lot of points this year. Uh, Tennessee is a is a good team running the football. They've got a dual threat quarterback, uh, Hendon Hooker played a really good game last week against L, uh, Ole Miss. I I think twenty seven and a half might be a a little much because Tennessee is playing a little bit better, but I expect Alabama to roll in this game. I don't expect it to be close beyond the first or second quarter. Uh, I think Alabama rolls pretty easily. Smoking a cigar again. Lando. Roll Tide. Yeah, I got the Tide too. I, I, I think it's a beat down, um, especially if Hendon Hooker isn't healthy. Joe Milton's terrible. I mean, he's just awful. I mean, the fact that he ran out of bounds as time expired and that game against Ole Miss was just one of the worst moves I've ever seen in my whole entire life. So I'm going to take Alabama. I think if Pendon Hooker plays, Tennessee covers. If Joe Milton plays, Alabama wins by 57. So moving on to our game of the week, we have USC taking on Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a seven-point favorite at home. Matt, who you got? I think the seven-point spread is perfect for this game for the most part. Notre Dame is a much more physical football team than USC is. Uh, I like Notre Dame to win this game because it is in South Bend. Uh, give me Notre Dame, and I think that I think it, that USC will cover. I think it'll be like a six-point game, five-point game, somewhere in that range, but I like Notre Dame to win. Lando. Yeah, they're playing for one of my favorite rivalry trophies in all college football, the jeweled shillelagh. I'm going with USC. Nice, Lando. I could see USC getting the upset in this game, but I'm going to take Notre Dame. I think with the bye week they had last week, they're finally going to figure out their quarterback situation, and they're going to uh, they're going to win this game. It's going to be a good one. This rivalry, it's always a good game. It's always tight, uh, but I think Notre Dame's going to pull it out. What the heck is the jeweled shillelagh? <laughs> the jeweled shillelagh. I've never even seen their trophy. I'm looking it? it up right. I'm looking it up the Jules Shillelagh. Right? I've never heard of this before. It's like a is this is this a pipe or like a club? It, it's a shillelagh. It, 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 it's a shillelagh. What is a shillelagh? A billy club. Yeah, uh, a man <laughs> that's never seen uh, never seen Finley. My name is yeah, Finley, and I love to fight. My name is Finley, and I love to fight. Yeah, shillelagh. And he had he had his his little man hornswoggle that would sit yeah. up under the ring and come out and beat people with a shillelagh. Oh, I remember. The, the Jewel Chilele. Well, that's our show. Thank you guys for listening as always. We appreciate it. Before you guys log off today, please don't forget to drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to our channel on Spotify and give us a follow on our Instagram at Around the Keg and our Twitter at Around the Keg Pod. Say us any questions or topics you guys want us to discuss on the show and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Have a great week. See y'all.